several years ago, one Wednesday evening, uh, I arrived at my house, got home after Aaron and Andrew and Elisha had gotten home, and um, I remember walking into my bedroom, and uh, it was late. I remember getting ready for bed, and I, I noticed Andrew was just hanging out in, in our bedroom, uh, you know, which wasn't odd necessarily, but I was just wondering, you know, uh, what's the deal, but didn't really think a whole lot about it, and uh, I pulled back the covers <laughs> to my side of the bed, and to my surprise and to my f- shock, there was a huge, huge bug, huge bug. I mean, ginormous bug laying right there, right next to my pillow, right under the covers. And when I pulled back the covers, it was right there. And man, you talk about somebody that jumped through their through the roof. Man, if you know me, you know I'm a jumpy person. I've told you that a hundred times, but I really am jumpy, especially when it comes to things like bugs and things like that. But anyway... Crazy Andrew <laughs> had won that in Master Club at the time, or Patch. I can't remember what we were doing then, but he had gotten it on Wednesday night and had won it in the treasure chest or something. And he picked that bug just to bring home and scare Daddy with, because he knew how jumpy I am about bugs and stuff. You know, the truth of the matter is, Many of you remember Brother Dennis Griffin, our dear friend and fellow church member who went home to be with the Lord uh, last fall, as a matter of fact, and um, due to COVID. But Brother Dennis, you know, was uh, the, the, the um, owner and CEO of, of Griffin Exterminating for years and years and years and years. And I remember seeing his slogan all over town on their vehicles, on billboards, Call the pest doctor. All of our patients die. <laughs> Call the bug doctor. <laughs> well, uh, I know this. Uh, did you know that there are anywhere from 50,000 to 80,000 different species of bugs? <laughs> they range in size from one millimeter. That doesn't seem very big, but one millimeter to six inches. They creep. They crawl. They jump, they skate, they fly, they bite. I don't know about you, but I hate bugs. I hate big bugs. I hate little bugs. I hate bugs that crawl. I hate bugs that fly. I mean, (laughs) I hate bugs. There's nothing about a bug that I like. I know they're creatures of God, but I hate bugs. And... uh, uh, I want to say this to you, though. Did you know that every family, every church, every business, every school, every organization, every team, every group has bugs? You say, bugs. What kind of bugs are you talking about? Well, I'm going to use the word bugs as an acronym tonight. B, big, ugly, gross, spirit. (laughs) 
big, ugly, gross spirit. And I want to tell you, it's so easy as a Christian to develop bugs. <laughs> a big, ugly, gross spirit. One of the most difficult things that you and I have been given to do by the Lord, and we can do it through His power, it's only through His power, is maintain a right spirit. But I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that so often it is very, very easy for you and I to develop a big, ugly, gross spirit. So let's talk about that. Number one, let's talk about identification. How do we identify potential bugs? <laughs> big, ugly, gross spirits. <laughs> how, how do we identify attitude problems in our lives, in our family, in our church, in our group, in our, at your job, on your team? Well, let's identify, first of all, the comparison bug. Well, that bug likes to bite a lot of us, doesn't it? <laughs> likes to creep in, the comparison bug. We see this in John chapter 21. Incidentally, the same passage we dealt with the last two weeks on Sunday night. John 21, verses 18 through 22. It's interesting there as Jesus and Simon Peter were walking the shore of Galilee that day uh, when, when Jesus, after Jesus had restored Simon Peter, and he said, listen, I want you to feed my sheep. I've given you an assignment. It's interesting. It's almost as if John, the apostle, was either walking behind Jesus and Simon, beside Jesus and Simon, or just a few steps ahead of Jesus and Simon. And it's interesting that Simon Peter looks at Jesus after Jesus had just told Simon Peter that Simon was going to die the death of a martyr, that Simon was going to be persecuted, that he would be arrested and led around against his will. And so I'm sure Simon Peter was processing all this, thinking about his future as it related to the kingdom and God's plan, God's will for him. And he looks at Jesus and he looks at John and he says, well, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? If I'm going to die a martyr's death and I'm going to be arrested, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus makes an interesting statement. He said, Simon, if John lives until I come back, what is that to you? And he says, you feed my sheep. In other words, John, Simon, don't worry about John. I have a plan for John, just like I have a plan for you. Don't worry about him. You focus on what I have given you to do, what I've called you to do, what I've told you to do. You focus on pleasing me, not on how he's supposed to please me and honor me. You honor me. You serve me. You obey. You follow me. You feed my sheep. You follow me. Get your eyes off John. Get your eyes off the other apostles. You get your eyes on me. Boy, didn't Simon Peter at times have a trouble keeping his eyes on Christ? It's not only a Simon problem, it's a Christian problem. You, all of us struggle with that at times. 
But we love to compare ourselves with others and say, well, what about them? Look at what they're doing or what they're not doing. It's the same struggle that Martha had where she, in, in, in the Gospels, where she is comparing herself with Mary and what Mary was not doing and what she thought Mary should have been doing. Well, Lord, aren't you going to rebuke her? Aren't you going to tell her to get up and help me? We struggle so often with comparing ourselves. What does somebody else give? What does somebody else do? How many services does so-and-so go to? What about this? What about that? If we're not careful, friend, we look around in our church family, our immediate family, our work family, employment family, and, and, and we begin to compare ourselves. Well, so-and-so's not giving 100% effort. Well, how do we know that? <laughs> they may be. <laughs> well, so-and-so's not doing what I'm doing. They're not, they're, they, they're not as committed as I am. Well, we really don't know that because we're not the Lord and only He knows full, perfect judgment and knowledge. Let's, 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 let's go ahead and squash the comparison bug. The comparison bug seems, seems to creep up among fellow workers and fellow church members and good brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I tell you the opposite attitude of the comparison bug? It's contentment. That that we talked about last Sunday morning. Contentment. Being at peace, being okay with where the Lord has put us. And the circumstances, the gifts that He's given us. So let's identify the comparison bug. Number two, let's identify the complaining bug. The complaining bug. Boy, isn't this a big, ugly, gross spirit? I know all of us can spot a complaining spirit, the complaining bug. We can spot it a million miles away in somebody else. But sometimes it's hard to detect that in ourselves. I'm reminded of Exodus 16, uh, verses 1 through 12, there in Scripture, where the people had come uh, uh, journeying through the wilderness and God had delivered them there in chapter 15. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, uh, all through, all through uh, Exodus, we see the, God's mighty hand. And, and, and in chapter 14 and 15, He brings them through. Uh, and, and, and here they are in 16, and they, they come up against another obstacle where they didn't have water. They couldn't find any water. And they begin to complain and murmur over and over and over again, multiple times in Exodus, multiple times in the book of Numbers, even in Deuteronomy, you see the people complaining, murmuring against God, being upset at the Lord. This seems to creep up more when we are pressed and stressed and distressed. We complain. Things don't go our way. We're not happy with something and we... We have a tendency to complain, and the old complaining bug rises up. You know the opposite of a complaining spirit is joy in Jesus. An old friend, would to God that we would pray tonight and seek that joy, that joy that is found in Christ, that is not circumstantial, it's not based on uh, our circumstances or surroundings or our needs. No, we, we have Christ. Christ is our need meter. He is the one who gives us and grants us everything that we we seek and seek after and need and are dependent on. There's the comparison bug. There's the complaining bug. But then, 
I think also we struggle at times with the complacent bug. We get complacent and apathetic in our life, in our spiritual life. It's interesting what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, where he says that, 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 that I am not content to stay where I am. I am forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm reaching and pressing for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He wasn't complacent apathetic just to stay where he was spiritually. Sometimes the complacent bug seems to creep up when we're waiting on someone or, or something else to motivate us. We're, we're, we're waiting on some external motivation to get us stirred up. And I want to say that the opposite attitude of complacency is a spirit of excellence for the glory of God. We manifest in our homes, we manifest at church, we manifest in our service to the Lord, regardless of what that is. And so many of you watching tonight, you serve Jesus in some capacity through our local church. I want to ask you a very serious, sincere question out of love, dear friend. Have you become complacent in your service for Christ, regardless of what, what area it is? God wants us to press forward with excellence, even in our own personal spiritual growth, to always be improving, always becoming more like the Lord Jesus. God, help us not to have this complacency with church, with ministry involvement, with our family, but a positive attitude, one that is hungry for Christ to grow. Let's, let's, let, let's squash the comparison bug. Let's squash the complaining bug. Let's squash the complacent bug. And then let's squash a fourth bug. It's the condescending bug. The condescending bug. You know, Jesus, He certainly taught us how to squash that bug. In John 13, verses 1 through 5, when on the last night before he was crucified, he rose up from supper, and we've talked about this exhaustively, and he girded himself with a towel after disrobing, and he stooped down and he washed the disciples' feet. He assumed the role and the position of a servant. He, he disregarded any, any, any uh, attitude of con condescension and he 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 served even though he is the greatest and he he was the one who should have been served philippians 2 tells us that he took on the form of a servant even when he came to this earth you know sometimes we become condescending when we deal with wearisome people people who are hard to get along with and hard to deal with. and Sometimes we get tired of people and tired of problems and tired of people problems. May God help us to have that humility that Jesus had. Humility and helpfulness will help us overcome the condescending bug. So we've identified these bugs. I know there are more. But let's talk about not just the identification. Let's talk about the implications. 
What will a toleration of bugs lead to? Well, can I say this? That nothing good ever comes from these bugs? Nothing good ever emerges when we tolerate the comparison bug, when we tolerate the complaining bug, when we tolerate the complacent bug and the condescending bug. and Nothing good comes from that. It seems like that our pride increases, our ego increases, our frustration level increases. It seems like that our faithfulness wanes, our drive and passion and desire for Christ is stymied. And that doesn't honor the Lord. But these bugs can take over when we're not careful. We can have an infestation. <laughs> what we need is the light of truth to be turned on and to drive these bugs away. So I want you right now where you are, think about some of these potential bugs that the Holy Spirit will lead you to identify about yourself and your situation. Let's personalize this and make it personal. Let's, let's say, Lord, I want you to do something in me. I need you to help me. I need you to teach me. I need you to correct me. I want to be right with you. Let the Lord help you as the Holy Spirit takes truth and identifies some of these spirits. Some of this unbiblical attitude in all of us. Man, I can find myself there so easily. We've seen the identification. We've seen the implications. Now I leave you with this, gang. It's what I call the initiation. What is it that we need to do individually to take care of these bugs? <laughs> well, old brother Dennis used to talk about in his ads that call the pest doctor. Can I tell you, can I, can I go ahead and just deem you today and just go ahead and give you a diploma, a degree today that you are an honorary bug doctor. <laughs> You're the pest doctor for your own life. Let the Holy Spirit point out these, these traits that are dishonoring to Him and let's, let's, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let's let His fullness drive them out from us. Let's be conscious of it and be aware of it so that we honor the Lord with our lives this week. Let's be careful that we manifest the fruit of the Spirit by allowing God's Holy Spirit to control us and consume us. I know this, that when I become fueled by me and driven and empowered by my own Spirit and my own energy, when I'm not walking with the Lord, when I'm not praying, when I'm not in the Word, and I'm not having a devotional life, when I'm not relying on the Spirit to give me that spiritual life, and I try to manufacture it from within, I can't do that, gang, and you can't either. That's why it's, it's, it's He is the vine, we are the branches. We derive all of our sustenance, all of our strength from Jesus. Boy, don't you know, we need Jesus in order for our attitude to be right. So as we get ready to pray tonight, I want us to pray for one another. I want you to pray along with me that Jesus would help our spirit to be what they ought to be. Let's just pray together now. Our Father, we're not pointing fingers tonight. Uh, we're, 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 we're standing in front of the, the mirror of truth. 
as we read through Scripture, so often we see these, these negative traits that I really believe are hurtful to you. They grieve you. We realize that it's possible to grieve and offend you. Lord, I know that so many times that happens. I do that to you, and I grieve and hurt others through a wrong attitude, a hurtful spirit. And so, Father, I ask you tonight, in Jesus' name, that you would help me and help our dear people to be sweet, kind, and truth-driven, and love-driven, driven by your Spirit, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of kindness, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. May we embrace your truth and be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. In His name we pray. Amen. God bless you.